0: 140 days as of this uh, recording uh, from the college basketball season which the math works out evenly to 20 weeks so uh that feels simultaneously very far away and also like somewhere in the not so distant future try not to wish away the summer it's beautiful out lotus hot again in chicago i think we recorded last week and i was like man it's like 90 90 90 95 and uh well, we had like multiple days that were like chilly here. And now it's back to being 95. So good little Chicago weather. Uh, but yeah, 140 days until college basketball. And Brad, we took a big step towards rosters being like finalized to the point where I at least feel comfortable. I felt comfortable putting out a top 25 over the weekend. And that was really the first time I would felt comfortable doing it. Uh, do you know why that is?
1: Was that because Keontae Kennedy decommitted from Vanderbilt?
2: It was not
0: stunningly. It, that 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 just made me feel confident that I couldn't put Vandy in the. They might have knocked Vandy out the top 100. But
1: oh, know. it was it was Casey Simmons decommitting from Northwest or transferring from from a Northwestern. Yes.
0: that was its own disaster. Which we in the middle of, of
1: June they they have to make him sit out a year. Like the deadline was six weeks ago.
0: Well, and it's also it's not a very like it's a, I don't understand how you can have it as like a runoff waiver. Unless again, unless there's like a, a discipline or anything that I'm not aware of. Like, how can it be a runoff when Northwestern has three scholarships now, you know, with no simulated intent to use them? Things are great for Northwestern. We'll talk about Casey Simmons later. We'll talk about uh, Keontae Kennedy potentially and Joey Baker and some of the other big commitments. Uh, but today's podcast, you know, I think the two main things we want to hit on are. We'll hit on Pete Nance and his commitment to North Carolina. We talked about last week what the implications would be if he went to Carolina, that is now a thing. So we could talk about the Tar Heels and where they stand. We could talk about my way too early top 25. And we also hit uh, for sh- several minutes on the NBA draft. We're not going to make this a hour and a half uh, draft podcast because we acknowledge that you probably have other podcasts you might listen to that are NBA draft related that you want to get to. You want to hear uh, some of the best and brightest in that field talk draft. And if you're not a draft person, uh, we're happy to bring you the college basketball analysis, but we feel it appropriate and necessary for us to uh, put some takes on the record, which could either be good or bad for us because this draft has a lot of uh, question marks. But
1: uh, I uh, saw this guy put out a like a top 170 board on Twitter. Jesus! And he had Noah Horkler at 90, and it was like 30 spots ahead of Brady Manic. That that made made
0: me smile. <laughs> I enjoy like scrolling through draft Twitter because. Like especially this year, I definitely have followed the draft more closely this year just because of working with Jeremy Wu over at SI. By the way, I encourage all of you if you are looking for draft content to go to Sports Illustrated and, and to read Jeremy's work. Jeremy does a tremendous job. Uh, there is a ton of intel in his mock drafts, in his big boards, and all of the stuff he puts together. And, and you can learn a lot more about the process. You know, I I, I was actually talking to him about this, and he kind of likens himself to an FBI agent this time of year where he's interviewing a lot of suspects and trying to figure out what's real and what's not. And,
1: uh, yeah, but you got to save your free articles for that mock draft on Thursday morning. This is true. Or, 10. or... 10.1, 10.2, 10.3,
0: and 10.4. This is a wild, wild idea. You could subscribe to Sports Illustrated and support people like Kevin Sweeney, uh, who are doing great work, who uh, need to have a salary. So. Oh my god.
1: They could, anyway, they could
0: please, pay for internet articles. What 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 is going on? Please, please subscribe to uh, SI, or at least read Jeremy's work. We do appreciate it. Uh, his work is, is as good as it gets in terms of draft coverage, so uh, check him out. Uh, but Brad, let, let's start before we get into the draft with North Carolina, with Pete Nance, who, in my Top 25 that I published on Saturday afternoon, are officially the number one team in the country pete nance took his official visit during the week at carolina um i will say there had been some early buzz when he took his name out of the draft that he was going to go to alabama that was what i had been hearing um you know the one connection that one may wish to make is that pete Nance's agent throughout the process was with priority sports and entertainment while priority sports also represents nate oats uh, however that may connect things, connect the dots, I don't know, but all I know is that LML was in the mix uh, and he would have been a really interesting addition to that team stylistically. But in the end, this is kind of like the perfect transfer, right? I mean, this is a guy going from a, you know, using his COVID year, strengthening what's already a really interesting team, making them potentially the number one team in the country, giving them more chance of of being a, a national title winner. He stylistically fits really well into North Carolina's scheme. I think culturally, he fits really well into this program. I mean, this this has been something that has made a lot of sense for a while, and uh, it is official. Pete Nance the story. I mean, when Matthew Meyer went
1: to Illinois, it seemed like UNC was dead in the water. It seemed like the Matthew Meyer fit was perfect. Now, Matthew Meyer was getting a lot of unnecessary praise. I think people still had the Matthew Meyer that they thought was going to appear in the 21-22 season back when we were in October. And everyone, myself included, had him as a top 30 player in college basketball in our player predictions. Um, He didn't didn't break out as anticipated. He'll be a very good pickup for Illinois. Uh, But Pete Nance is a superior player. I think he's a superior fit because he can also play some five. Yes. I mean, he's a borderline NBA player. Because he can shoot, he can handle the ball, he pass, defends. I think this is a terrific fit. Um, and that that even, you know, how how much does having a strong bench really matter? But I think having guys like Puff Johnson and Dontre Styles, who played deep in the NCAA tournament this year, and guys like Seth Trimble, I heard us on U18, uh, makes us a really strong bench to go along with one of the best starting lineups in the sport.
0: I, I would cut out the one of. I think it is the best starting lineup of the sport, right? I mean, you have a guy who'll be on the koozie watch list in RJ Davis. You'll have one of the more dynamic scorers in the country. Again, inefficiency at times is, is an issue, but one of the most dynamic scorers in the country in Caleb Love. Um, one of the best defenders in the country in Leaky Black, who's a fifth-year guy. Uh, you know, Davis and, 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 and Dave, Davis and Love are juniors, so they've been around the block. Nance, a fifth-year senior who would have been the best player on a Big Ten team, been All-Conference in the preseason, um, who who is you know play the four, played the five, and then Baycott, you know, a national player of the year candidate, who will be there as a senior. I mean, this is an old team. It's you know, it's talented, obviously. It's very you know, it's very experienced, and, and I think there's there's just a lot of really good value uh, here with Nance. I, th- I think you mentioned it, you know, being able to play the five and back up Baycott. That's huge. I mean, if you if you remember last year, uh, down the stretch, Baycott played 35 minutes a game. The final like 13 games of the year, once like they went kind of to the Iron Five, it was just Baycott. He played 35 minutes a game. That's not sustainable for a full season. Uh, and, and the fact that you can play Pete Nance for 10 to 12 minutes a game at the five and have him be better than I would imagine probably 11 ACC center, starting centers. Like I'm 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 just gonna. I'm going to look here on my depth charts to, to see if I, if I am sure I feel this way. But I'm pretty sure that, like, almost every ACC team, I'd rather have Pete Nance than their starting dinner. Boston College, Quinton Post, Clemson, PJ Hall. Eh, PJ Hall's good, but I think I'd take Nance. Derek Lively, uh, Naheem McLeod, Rodney Howard, Sidney Curry, Norchad Omir, BJ Burns. Nate Lashevsky, John Hughley, Jesse Edwards, Caden Shedrick, Grant Basili, and Davion Bradford. Like, at minimum, even if you're not a Pete Nance fan, Pete Nance would be the better center than, like, eight to nine of those big men, right? Even if you wanted to take, like, Jesse Edwards and John Hughley and those guys, who I wouldn't, but if you wanted to do that, Pete Nance would. So so you've got the best backup center in the country. You're going to get 20 minutes a game from him at the four. He can pass, he can shoot, he can do, you know, kind of, kind of impact the game in a, a number of ways. And if you want to go small, you can play Puff Johnson at the four, just like you did uh, in, in March when you had to, and space it out. And that Johnson-Nance four-five look, where you could go five out, could be a really interesting death lineup. Obviously, you're not taking Baycott off the floor for long stretches because he's terrific, but
2: you know, that's a legitimately dangerous lineup if you have, you know, Puff Johnson at the four and P. Nance at the five. Absolutely. And so love this group there. I, I think that they, they will be in everybody's
1: top five and that they probably should be the, the only knock against them is the old old, you know, they, they weren't that good until, until the tournament last year. But I, I think talent wise, you know, in, in the preseason last year, I had UNC sixth. Right. Um, So I, I was shaking my head every week on the podcast saying, why isn't this team defending, you know, I the, the, the talent on paper is top ten in the country clearly, and then by the end of the year they they kind of showed what they could do. But um, yeah, I I think everyone's going to have
2: UNC in their top five, and I think that's probably a smart move. Um, where would you do you have a top twenty five, Brad? I'm
0: just curious if you.
1: No, what I, what I was doing today was I would because I, I saw a few people do coaching rankings of all the high major coaches yes so i took a stab at it it's it's very easy at the bottom and it is extremely difficult when you get to like the 20 to 40 where it's like it it really starts like, like the last guy in that tier so the worst coach in that tier i said was shaheen holloway where he made an elite eight at like a crazy improbable school um but like you know Trying to parse between like Kevin Willard and Tad Boyle and all these guys was like basically impossible. And then you it's run to also, the. It's say, also
0: it's also like a kind of sobering thing to think about when you're like, all right, you know, Kevin Willard is probably like a like if you when you're ranking them out, you're gonna come to the conclusion that Kevin Willard's like below average among high major coaches.
1: Yeah, he's like right in the middle.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, then, that, then that, that was my objection, and we we can talk about this towards the end of the podcast quickly, but uh, like, I, you, you sent in the first thing that came like, caught my eye was like, you had Brad Underwood in the 30s. It's like, Brad Underwood's outstanding. Like Brad, Brad Underwood has won the Big Ten two years in a row at a place that like wasn't even making NCAA like, tournaments under John Gross uh, and has done it despite losing an All-American the previous year. He recruits at a really high level. Like he went, you know, he won N.C.A.A. tournament games at Stephen at F. Austin. He won it at Oklahoma State in year one and had a tremendous offense. He's, you know, adapted stylistically. Like he checks every box in my mind. In fact, that you're, you're not gonna have him top top 20. He felt crazy. And again, there are some challenges here, right? Like with uh, ranking a Jim Bayheim ranking a Thad Mata, guys who have you know tremendous accomplishments. In their career, but are older and I'm not sure how they're going to translate, but I think those are the things they call my eyes. Like, holy shit. Like, how is, you know, how, how are, how are Brad Underwood and Steve Peichel, who've done these like ridiculous things at their current jobs, um, particularly Peichel, not even considered like top half high major coaches? And that was a little bit sobering, but interesting stuff.
1: Peichel uh, just, just snuck into the top half, but like, okay, so I, I put Underwood at 32, I put Greg McDermott at 27. I, I put, I mean, Tommy Lloyd, I put a 28, a one-year, terrific team, Sweet 16. You know, Brad Underwood hasn't made a Sweet 16. And nor has he had a team as good as his Arizona team, you know? Like Jamie Dixon.
0: Well, I mean, last year's was, – was last year's Illinois team that got a one seed and won the Big Ten? Not.
1: Two years ago, the one that lost to Loyola. That's what I meant.
0: Yeah, the team that lost to Loyola. Why, why, why was that team not better than – or just as good at least as Arizona this year?
1: Well, I mean, they're only four spots apart, but then it's like, it's tough to decipher the crazy runs, right? With like...
0: All right. Well, how do you rank Cooper like, like Davis right
1: Chaka Smart makes a, a Final Four, and then he, 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 he built some good Texas teams, and he just super overachieved with Marquette. Porter Mosier built Loyola, like, multiple good teams. Like, you have to have him very high. Um... Andy Enfield made a Sweet 16 at Florida Gulf Coast, made the lead eight at USC.
0: I think the biggest thing, right, Brad, is just, like, and we texted about this, like, you have to do it almost entirely based on accomplishments. And and so much of that has to be NCAA tournament success because otherwise it's just completely subjective, right? Like, I mean, I I personally, like, would would, – Disagree with a lot of the rankings that you have, but if you're doing it from an accomplishment standpoint, it's very hard to hard to question. You know what I mean? Uh, uh,
1: accomplishments have to be, I think, the biggest factor because if you're like, oh, I think Kyle Smith is such a good coach, he can go to a Final Four. Well, like Shaka Smart did go to a Final Four, you know. Right. Hubert Davis did to go to the championship, you know. So, um. And then, then the other tough one was, like, the guys who suck now, like, Wayne Tinkle, where he's, like, run this program into the ground. I mean,
0: Wayne Wayne Tinkle should be, like, really close to the bottom, right? Like,
1: But he, I mean, think about how insane it is to make an Elite Eight at Oregon State. And he made an NCAA tournament for them the first time in, like, 30 years when they had Gary Payton the second. Um
0: so like no, how yeah, how, you're right. How can how, he be, how can how can be last,
1: yeah. How can I put Kyle Smith over him? Where, like, I'm clearly choosing Kyle Smith over Wayne Tinkle as a coach, but a guy who's never coached in the NCAA tournament versus a guy who led Oregon State to the Elite Eight and broke their huge tourney streak and was good at at his mid-major stop, you know, it's That's tough. Yeah.
0: Very good stuff. Um, we may hit that list again towards the end of the podcast, depending on how things go. Uh, just wanted to hit you quickly with my top 10 in my preseason top 25 that I think I'm going to stick with for the foreseeable future. I may bump a team here or there, a spot or two. Obviously, injuries can play a big role if there's a reclass or something. But for the most part, this, this is what I'm going to stick with up until March. Or not till March, until November. Uh, I, I have... I have uh, North Carolina number one. I have Gonzaga number two. I have Houston number three. Uh, I have Kentucky number four. I have Arkansas number five. Uh, Kansas number six. UCLA number seven. Creighton number eight. Duke number nine, and Baylor number ten. Um, Baylor has the slight caveat that like I would prefer to rank them if I knew Jonathan Schumacher would be healthy. I would rank them a little bit higher. If I knew
1: he's Duke, not going to be healthy, if, his leg exploded.
0: Midseason, huh? Just like exploded midseason. I know, but there's there's been no like commentary as to what he'll do. It's the same thing with Justin Moore. Both there is out. no like there there is no prognosis though. There's nothing like, an going to announce like oh our goal is January. Our goal is you know they're not going to play this year and they're going to come back next year. Our goal is he's going to play you know to start the year. If I had like okay John I, like, I am pretty sure Jonathan Chowmachachu is not going to play next year. If that's the case I could bump Baylor down a spot or two, but how fair, you know, how can I do that now? I I don't know. I mean, that's just wild conjecture on my part, so.
1: I mean, Um, both their legs exploded on national television.
0: True. I considered putting Villanova top 10 after seeing the, uh, the whole Cam Whitmore experience, AU-18, but I decided that, you know, we shouldn't, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna temper it with the first-year coach with Neptune, just like I temp, just like you had, you had the temper with Hubert Davis. I just think there'll be some struggles from that perspective. So I temp, I didn't go to all the way there. But.
1: So I, I think both myself and our faithful listeners deserve an explanation oh
2: of how Arkansas is at five, but Duke's in nine. Arkansas's roster is more talented. How? Duke, we have Derek Nick Lively.
0: Is, Nick Smith is better than any recruit that Duke has. By by that much of a margin.
1: He's that much better than Whitehead and Lively and Filipowski. Yes. And better than... Like, Roach as a returner is way better than Nick any Smith
0: recru- will be better than Jeremy Roach.
1: Yeah. That's I think so, sense, too. Basically. Well, like, Jeremy Roach is going to be better than Devo Davis. He's going to be better than Anthony Black. He's going to be better than Ricky Council.
0: So, a couple of things here, right? Number one, uh, coach, right? Shire is not Eric Musselman. Shire's never done this. North Carolina was extremely talented last year. We saw them struggle as they kind of found their – as Shire – as a, a Hebert found his voice. So, coach was part of it. Um. Two, I think there's a good kind of cohesion aspect with Arkansas's roster uh, in terms of how it fits together. I don't feel the same about Dukes. I think it's a little better now because they had a grandison. But I I still think that that Arkansas's roster makes more sense when put together. Um, Arkansas, though, struggled a lot
2: last
1: year. You know they had that super soft non-con that yep. kind of avoided them going like seven and six, but the, I mean they were really struggling for the first like three months of the season. And and, and there's not any roster continuity. I not mean, in three their, months. Two and,
0: months. And, and their, they they fixed it on January eighth.
1: Okay, so two nine weeks we'll say. Um, and on this Arkansas projected top eight roster. Only one's a returning player, Devo Davis. The whole team is new.
0: I mean, Muss has built new teams before. He's had no problem. He's been 13 and five and 13 and four in the SEC in his last two years. That's top 10 team material. He's got the most talent he's ever had at Arkansas with this group. Uh, I'm,
2: I'm I'm sipping the musk Bus Kool Aid. I'm fueling it up, you know. I, I just don't. I, I just don't know
0: why you have like a rational confidence in Duke. Like, why, I, I don't see how Duke's roster is substantially better, and Duke has an unproven coach. Arkansas has one of the probably 20 best coaches in the country.
1: I think Duke's frontcourt is be way better. Give me lively and Filipowski I over. I don't love the Mitchell two and bigs J- J-
0: playing together. particularly.
2: Yeah, but, yeah, but they're they're both very skilled, and lively is incredibly athletic. And Lively also ran hot and cold motor
0: wise all summer last year and struggled at times.
2: See, I think
1: the Duke roster fits better where you get your, your, your scoring guard in Roach, you got a scoring wing in Whitehead, spot up shooter in Grandison, and then two bigs that complement each other really well. And in terms of the benches, I think the benches are p- pretty comparable. I mean, Duke's got some, some nice veterans coming off the bench, like Orion Young. They got young five star shooter type and Tyrese proctor at, at at some pop off the bench and then you have
2: uh uh mitchell uh mark mitchell who is a top twenty recruit give me the bu give me the bus should we, should we start like a
1: uh a a bets for you for next you can, year and- you could
0: put that on a list i'll feel okay about that. Particularly if I hear any buzz about Trayvon Brazil's small ball five. Because so I'm loving the idea. Loving it.
1: You really don't want those Mitchell twins to play, huh?
0: I mean, I don't mind the Mitchell twins playing for like 20 minutes a game total. Or Jalen Graham playing the five for 20 minutes a game. Like, I, I love the idea of 20 minutes a game with a 6'9 kid who blocked 10% of shots on the floor last year who can also do threes. I think that's very fun. Very exciting.
1: We never so, went through our 21-22 bets. We'll have to do that in the next couple of weeks. Yes,
0: but, no next couple of weeks. That's a great idea.
1: Um, I got to right, name this tab 22-23 bets. Damn. And we want
2: our to do is. Ken Palm, who's higher? Yeah, Ken Okay. Lock it in. First Duke.
1: Ken Palm.
2: All right, Kevin's got the Must Bus.
1: I got. Duke.
0: Any, uh, do you have any other questions about my way too early top 25 thoughts, opinions before we uh, move on to the draft? I, I'll say my spiciest take in my way too early is that I have San Diego State at 14.
2: Now,
1: I, I have yet to make it a, a, a firm top 25, but I made a quick one a couple weeks ago to compare to yours. But the one thing I was planning on doing was not putting any non-Power 6, or Power 7, I guess. With You're the, a uh,
0: hater. You're such a hater.
1: Because, no, it's because the team that we all land on is never the team that ends up in there. You're going like, you to you ruin the
0: team.
1: Yeah. Right, everyone was Bonnie's, Bonnie's, Bonnie's. And they should have been, right? They were an 8 seed the year prior. They were bringing it back. They had some seriously good players who are now scattered across high-major teams across the country. Um, and they flopped. Before that, it was VCU. Um, who everyone had in their top 20s. That 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 was a mid-major team didn't gel, flop. The year before it was Utah State, who was not top 25, but they ended up turning it around, winning the conference tournament to get a tournament bid that never for a tournament that never happened. Um, but it, it just feels like th- there there's always two or three non-power we'll call it power six in the AAC. There's always two or three of those teams that that are really good and deserving, but for some reason the public can never nail them. Maybe that's partly groupthink that we all just kind of talk ourselves into the
2: same team. But see, no, this is a fair point. You're you're just you're just fading. Even even the
1: 2020 year that never happened. I mean, Dayton was going to be a one seed, and San Diego State was going to be a two seed. And no one had either of those teams anywhere close to
0: their radar. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they were on the radar, they just weren't top five
2: No, that was, I think, that was the I year think everyone was on had Utah Dayton, State, like as a
1: ten seed in the preseason, like top forty-ish. I think people had San Diego State like bubble.
0: Yeah, you had, I, you had, I think we had Utah State.
1: Yeah, that that was a team that that year that everyone they were had coming Utah back State Kata like seventeen. And
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. You will be happy to know that Providence is number twenty-five in my rankings, and this is this is not 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 a homer. I'm in. Mean, I mean, maybe that one's like weird to justify again because of Ken Palm. Like, all right, if you like think that our key, Providence was actually like the thirtieth best team in the country, like to get them better than last year feels hard. But the idea that they could go like you know thirteen and seven in the league next year—it's like a rankable team. Well,
2: so I, I think this I'd guy. Agree
1: with that. This guy. Um. Mauricio Gallego put out, like, a, like a, a minute-long video of PC and Bryant scrimmaging,
2: and,
1: and that just got the uh, juices flowing. I, I, I'm buying in between that, and they had, like, a 30-second video of them, like, lifting weights. I was like, all right, national championship. I'm in. <laughs> run it up. Run it up. Uh, I, I, I went from having them, like,
2: fourth or fifth in the Big East to, like, right, right at the top. that's funny um shall we move to the draft have some opinions sure okay so a few
0: things to hit on right i mean i think obviously there's in this conversation of like three to four players and that mix for the top pick and how you view their futures in the nba um so the guys we like in the middle, and then maybe some sleepers as well to talk about. I think that's yeah, usually the, the decent flow of things. Um, so I guess first off, with the the top tier of prospects, which I think if you ask most people is at least Jabari Smith, Paolo Bincaro, and uh, Chet Holmgren, as well as you could potentially throw in Jaden Ivy into that mix. First off, Brad, do you consider Jaden Ivy to be among those elite three prospects?
2: Uh, yes or no?
1: I think upside-wise, yes. But I I don't think he's a better prospect than than the top 3. Would you would you want like if you let me put it I this don't, way. I don't think anyone if you had it, would has, you be you Yeah. Go ahead. I don't think anyone has the balls to, to take Jaden Ivey over those over Smith, Holmgren, Ben Carroll, but he could easily be better than that. I mean, look at Donovan Mitchell, right? Similar Type of player where it's this combo guard, kind of his defensive performance doesn't match the tools, but he's incredibly athletic. He's going to thrive with more spacing in the NBA. He can handle the ball. He can attack. He can. He, he's explosive. I saw one draft where a guy say like Jaden Ivey is like by far the best advantage creator in the draft. Oh, yeah, and they said
0: Leonard Miller was number two, which invalidated their opinion. Because Leonard Miller is terrible.
1: Yeah, that's that's that is ridiculous. But but think about it in terms of advantage creator, like a like a, a guard who can go get his own shot. I mean, yes. we're saying Ivy is clearly number one, and then Johnny like Dave, over John Davis over Shaden. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't him. watched
0: Shaden enough. Yeah, yeah,
1: no one's ever seen him play. At, you know, he he didn't play any college. We're looking at AAU a- film for Shaden Sharp.
2: We're He's looking got more at,
1: than Matherin someone like Ty Ty Washington or Jaden Hardy, who are going to get picked in the 20s. You know, so, I mean, he he's by, by far the best guard prospect in this draft.
2: So I think the, the
0: few things that concern me with Ivy and, and why, why I would have some hesitation. Now, again, if you're you're at five, you're at six, right? If you're, if you're Detroit at five and you already have Cade Cunningham, like, Ivy makes a lot of sense, right? Again, there's risk involved. You know, I think there's a chance that he winds up being a little too wild, uh, doesn't have the right mindset, doesn't make good just good enough decisions. But I think, if, again, if you were going to pair him with Kate Cunningham, who had, you know, has great size, who's going to be a good defender, who's going to be unselfish, who's going to get others involved, who's going to be good in transition because he hits ahead. And, does, does things of that not nature. I think you're thrilled with that. Like I, I am rooting for Jaden Ivy to fall the five because I think it's the perfect fit for both Jaden and for, for the Pistons. Like I, I think that Jaden has a chance to be really, really good in that construct. I, I worry when you put him in a different system, either where you're handing the ball right away, um, or you're being expected to win right away. I think those are the two things that you really worry would worry me is if you you send him to like Sacramento and like your goal is to make this a playoff team and already a crowded backcourt, like. I just don't know how much he's going to contribute to winning day one in the NBA because he's really, you know, he doesn't make good decisions. I think a lot of times it felt like it was a me, 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 me. Like, I I think there's going to be some like Jalen Green type moments in year one for Jaden Ivey, but there's also going to be some negative Jalen Green like moments. And I don't think he's as good a prospect as Jalen Green. So I think that's where I kind of come down with Ivy. Um, You know, a couple of years away from being really impactful, could be tremendous, but at the same time, super, super explosive. And, you know, I think it is, is pretty – I think it's going to at some point score 18 to 20 points game in the NBA. Like, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, and
1: the fit next to Cade would be ideal. Where yes. you can play him at the one and play Cade at the three, and, and, and there's no issues in terms of fit or anything there. Or one and two or two and three. You know, you, you, you can really mold a uh, really compelling lineup. It's, it's tough for Sacramento because they do need a two-guard. Uh, But they they have two lottery, you know, former lottery pick guards where they have Fox as their best player or second best player. And then David Mitchell, who they drafted last year. And for that two guard, they really need someone who's more of a shooter um, because Sabonis and Holmes and Harrison Barnes. They have they have two two really good players with Fox and Sabonis, two solid starters. Holmes and and Barnes. Holmes is better than Barnes at this point. Um and they just need that like that shooter to round out that rotation. I think they may end up taking keegan Murray um, which is the win now move yeah he he can play play right away he can block shots he can defend his shooting was much improved um, doesn't fit their lineup super great, but i I think he's at at if uh, you're not taking ivy, I think he's Fifth best prospect in this draft. So.
0: So so on the top three, um, how would you rank them? You know, ignore a fit. Just say like if if I was starting a team with X, who would I take? Jabari, Paolo, and Chet. One, two, three. Who would you take in order?
1: I think Chet's definitely number one. Oof. Jabari doesn't handle the ball very well. Doesn't create very well. Chet isn't like a go-to creator right now, but at least he's flashed some of that, and he's really good defensively. And you know, the, the address about taking swings, and I, I know you say without fit, it's tough for Orlando because they have so many lottery picks uh, on this roster. You know, so many like good players, and it's getting it's getting late early where they got to start winning. They've really got to start making that jump. I think Jabari Smith fits the roster better and he's gonna be ready quicker than Chet with with a Chet's body. But I, I think I think Chet's upside is just So
2: you're gonna
0: have Chet right. one, Jabari two, Paolo three. Or Paolo two, Jabari
1: three. I'm 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 considering Paolo two Jabari three. But Jabari's shooting is is,
0: is a real asset. Right. I mean, look, Jabari, Jabari. Even if Jabari Smith doesn't get better at any, like, like, doesn't like get like measurably better at anything that he does right now, he'll still be like a really good NBA player because he's an elite shooter at six foot ten. I think, like, when you look at Jabari Smith, I see a frame that's going to get to two fifty. I see a guy who's going to be able to play small ball center. I see a guy who's going to be able to who showed really good defensive instincts at Auburn and battled on the glass and, and, and blocked shots and got in passing lanes. I see a guy who's an elite culture setter who can, uh, you know, like who brings like an intangible to your team and to your, your organization. Uh, and, and I see a guy who is going to get better at putting the ball on the floor, who's going to get better at exploding and getting to his spots. I don't think it will necessarily matter. Like like, like Jer- Jeremy and I had this conversation in one of our many drives across the Midwest where he said that he, he kind of wants people to start thinking about Jabari Smith the way they would think about, like, Dirk Nowitzki. And it was it really, it really took me back. And I was like, Dirk? But then, like, I thought about it more. I was like, okay, like, Dirk Dirk was never, like, the most explosive athlete like, in terms of getting past someone. But he had, like, a deep back because of, you know, because of his work ethic. He had a great shot that he could get up over people. He could play the four. He could play the five. Like, I think there are going to be some comparisons there. I think there should be comparisons to LaMarcus Aldridge. I think he's going to be a more mobile version of, like, someone like LaMarcus Aldridge, who can really pick and pop, who can score on the block. You know, who, again, is he going to be someone that you're going to... Like, like Jabari's not going to be Kevin Durant. Like, you're not going to handle the ball and tell him, go get one off the bounce all day. That's just not going to be who he is, I don't think. But I think he has... He, he is the... He, he is an unfinished product still. His elite skill is elite, elite, elite. And... uh. At the end of the day, like, I'm betting on the kid. I think that, that he is the one who's going to be successful. He is my number one player in the draft. I don't have like a ton of like second thoughts about it. Like, I'm, I mean, the I'm thing with on...
1: both Dirk and Aldridge is that, I mean, they had, like, incredible, or, you know, you mentioned their bags, but, like, incredible array of post moves. I mean, Dirk was doing, like, these, I was, the, the Dirk, this crazy fadeaway, one-legged... Hierarching jumper, Aldridge. I mean, is r- r- right right now a lot more physical build than than Jabari, and he would he would get a lot of stuff around the basket too. So, I, I mean, those those are two lofty comparisons.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. No, I mean
2: that's. A, I was thinking know, more like Jaron Jackson. I mean, I think he's a much better shooter than Jaren. Uh, let
1: me pull up. Jaren Jackson's shooting numbers, I think we're going to be surprised. What, well, one of us, I think, is going to be surprised at uh, Jaren Jackson's shooting numbers this year.
0: I mean, I know Jaren puts them up, like, at volume. I don't think Jabari's going to be a better interior player than JP, or Jaren Jackson.
1: I guess I'm the one who's surprised because he what shot he 30, 32% this right, year. Right, but at,
0: like, super volume, right? Like, did he take, like, five threes a game? Five threes a game, yeah.
2: Um. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on team Jabari number one. I think I'm going to lean towards Bencaro number two.
0: Um, Now, again, that being said, like, fit-wise, I think for Oklahoma City, there's some logic in taking Chet. um, And for the Rockets, the fit's better for Paolo. So I think, like, that makes – there's a lot of logic to that. But I think at the end of the day, like, I think I would lean towards the polish and the scoring upside with Paolo and – be willing to get burned with chet if it all works out because like i don't i don't think chet's going to be able to put on a phone like you know i know i know greg bishop from Sports sort a big feature about uh chet today and interviewed the people from p3 one of like the big like athletic training people and they they done all the testing on chet and they were like you know he he's fine like he tests out his only athlete whatever like i don't care what the stats say at some point like i watched chet in games when he was playing against really physical opposition get pushed around. And that's every night, like, like every guy, di- in every night in the NBA, there's a Timmy Allen, there's a Jalen Durant, right? Like, and yes, he still found a way to impact the game. Yes. He, I mean, he's going to block shots. Yes. But like, what is he actually going to be in, in offensively in the NBA? He's going to be a center. Like, like I I, I don't buy. This I think be a four. Offensively, he's gonna be a four.
2: Yeah. Look at what like Al Al Horford did for the Celtics. Sure. I mean, yeah, I,
0: I, I, he could be like an Al Horford four man, but he's not gonna have any real like playmaking pop. I don't think. I don't. I, I don't believe that. I, I don't necessarily think that he's gonna be able to guard um, in space. Like if you put on the film like when they played Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, and he got switched on to Jalen Williams, he got. Hammered every single time you have switched in the space. That's a concern. You know, like I I think he's gonna wind up being like a Chris Stapps Porzingis. Like he's gonna be better than Chris Stapps, probably a little bit. But like I think he like his role in the NBA is gonna wind up being something more like Chris Stapps. Dunks, threes, block shots. And the question is how much better defensively will he be than Chris Stapps? Chris Stapps not a great defender beyond the block shots, especially once he dealt with all the injuries. Like I I don't think he'll be an Evan Mobley defender. Like look if he if he if he's eighty percent of Evan Mobley as a defender and has Chris Apps' ability to shoot the ball, he's gonna be like a really really freaking good NBA player. That's that's the hope, right? But to me, I would take Jabari and I would take Powell over over Chat.
1: Switching gears to a little G League talk.
0: Whew, what are we doing? Both
1: well nice well I dangerous. saw Jeremy Woo. I believe it was Jeremy Woo uh, moved. Marshawn Beauchamp to the second round. Which is something maybe I, I I was considering doing myself. Maybe we're buying into this G League propaganda and saying like Marshawn Beauchamp's gonna be a first round pick. He
0: has he has Marjon at thirty eight. He has Dyson Daniels at seven to the Blazers. I saw
1: somebody with Dyson Daniels at four a couple of days ago. I think ago.
0: Jeremy has Dyson at four on his big deal.
1: maybe that was it. Um, and then Jaden Hardy's in, in the 20s.
0: Dyson. I'm a big believer in Dyson Daniels. I mean, I've never seen him play, but...
1: Seems like he'd be a good fit at Portland at 7. The he's idea got, of
0: Dyson Daniels is very appealing.
1: Yeah, because he's like 6'8", handles the ball, can play the 1, the 2, and the 3.
0: Right, and Josh Giddy had a good year. And, like, they're not the same player, but there's enough similarity between him and Josh Giddy, including the fact that they're Australian, that people are like, oh, like, we'd love to get you know, the next Josh Giddy. So.
2: Same, same style of player, yeah. Right, big ball handling win. Um So yeah, I mean, I think we we, we clearly have very different depend, opinions on the uh, top group. I think then there's like a nice kind of there. There isn't necessarily another tier. I think there's probably like another third, you know, ten
0: to twelve guys that like you're pretty confident are going to be top twenty picks. And then it gets like really wide open. So in that next tier of guys, you know whether it's a Mark Williams, AJ Griffin, uh, Jalen Duran, Johnny Davis, um, you know Ben Matherin, Shaden Sharp, Keegan Murray, those guys. Are there a couple that you like, Jeremy Sohan, are there a couple in that range you like more than the others?
1: I think you got to go Matherin and Griffin because they're shooting. And I'm also a big swings guy. Yes, Shane Sharp would be a big swing. Usman Jiang would be an enormous swing. You know, like is 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 Johnny Davis like that much of a swing?
0: No. Although I think Johnny's going to be like a much better pro than college player, and he's a freaking good college player. Or
1: like Ochai Ogbaji is going to be like maybe a little bit better than Cam Johnson, which, which is fine at 14.
0: But I don't think he'll be better than Cam Johnson. I do,
2: but um. If you do, then you think he should be drafted top ten.
1: Uh, Cam Cam Johnson came back to Earth this year.
0: That's true.
2: But Cam Johnson, if you, it was funny going to the combine
0: and talking to players. Every single player who is in that like big wing archetype, all like said, I, I think I can be like Cam Johnson in the NBA. He's
1: so not, the a, not a great athlete, and he has like a pic, picture perfect okay. jump shot.
0: I watched mean. like the
1: finals
0: last year. Like, yeah,
1: Cam Johnson, give me, it. yeah. Continue. But like, Cam Johnson is in a big swing, right? I don't think it, it vibes a big swing. I I don't even think Jalen Duran's like a, a big swing, right? But like these, I, I'd say Sharp, Sohan, and Jiang are like three really nice big cuts that that you could take. Um, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I I, I think both team like San Antonio or New Orleans that are collecting a lot of like nice, good, third, fourth-best players, I think those are the teams, Washington, the, the Knicks, those those four teams pick in a row,
2: I think all those teams should be looking to take huge swings. I agree with that. Um, one guy I really like who I think is – I don't know if he's a
0: lock to go in the top 20. But I think he's a pretty good bet to. Um, it certainly will be. You know, I think the likely scenario is he winds up in the uh, the top, you know, 15 to 20. I think there's a good chance he winds up in lottery. the lottery. The guy I really like is Malachi Branham. I mean, Mal- Malachi Branham in the final in the, in the final 22 games of the season. So basically, you know, the new year from January 2nd on. He averaged 17 points, four rebounds, two assists, shot 53% from the field, 43% from three, and 82% of the line. He's got good size. He knows how to get to his spots. He can really make shots. He's a great touch. I think he will defend. Right, like, right. like He was not a great defender this past year. He was on that tape. But I think Malachi Branham to be really good. And I would be like open to the idea of drafting Malachi Branham over – like the Johnny Davis types, right? Like I I like Mathurin. I think you probably pick Mathurin over Johnny. But I think at some point, right, if you're if you're at eleven, like I can get like this, you know high floor Johnny Davis or I can roll the dice a little bit with Branham. I might be tempted with Mr. Branham. I mean I, I like Johnny, but like I mean, what how old is Malachi Branham? Malachi Branham is He might be the same age as Johnny Davis.
2: So he's five twelve oh three and Johnny Davis is so that means he just turned nineteen. Johnny Davis is two twenty seven oh two. So thirteen months older, Johnny Davis is fourteen months older. That's not huge, but the thing the thing with Davis is, you know,
1: what – was his, at, at times, inefficient play due to his role? Yeah. You know, was it because he was scaling up to carry a Wisconsin team that didn't have a ton of talent? Or you know, will mean, he
0: shoot the ball better as, as a fifth starter? I think the thing like, for me with Johnny, he's big, like physically big. He's not tall, but he's you know, physically built. He really makes... He really fights in the glass. He gets to the free throw line. He has, you know, I I think, I think he's just gonna be a good shooter in the NBA. I think his mechanics are good. He's gonna make shots. And there were so many times this past year, like in their offense, where he set up good shots for guys, and they just didn't make them. Or, you know, because of the way that their offense was structured, there wasn't space for the drive, and he wasn't healthy. Like I think he will. Like if if he can be healthy, he had to bear such a tremendous load.
2: And I, I just think that. A healthy Johnny Davis will be a really high-level, with rotation player in the NBA. Fully
1: believe that. So do I. And then you know, on, on Branham, he had took a pr- pretty large creation role as a freshman for a good team. He showed some ball handling. I uh, think, yeah, he's 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 definitely worth the if if not lottery. You know, he shouldn't get past sixteen or seventeen. I think. Around that time is when the draft falls off. Because right, people love Jalen Williams of Santa Clara now.
0: Yeah, he's think, up to 14 in Jeremy's board, which is crazy to me still. Good yeah, Branham, like, we've you, we've lost the plot here.
1: You have Mark Williams and Jalen Dern, who I, I see the appeal of. I'm not sure that there's a great fit for either of those guys. I think Charlotte could maybe take one of them.
0: The hard oh, thing the, with centers, right, is like the bar is so high to be a useful, like, an impactful center. There are yeah. so many like scrap heap centers out there. So like you're going to invest the first round pick and the money that comes with it in Jalen Duran, who might just be Bismack Biombo?
1: Exactly. I mean, look at the, the centers for the good teams. You had Brook Lopez was totally repurposed and reinvented from a pr- previous era. Robert Williams was Picked the end of the first round. He's injury concern. He's smaller. He's really good though. Yeah, he's, he's awesome.
0: I'm, I'm also I'm expecting awesome. Robert. Yeah. I'm expecting Robert Williams. You know, we, we, we joke about this on the podcast a lot. Like, uh, how how basically every year in the playoffs we find out. Oh yeah, like this guy actually like sucks now, or this guy's actually really good now. Like we found out this this off that like holy shit, you know, like like Robert Williams is a monster. So I'm looking forward to like next year, people think actually, Robert Williams is bad. like, oh, good to know. Well, I mean, in the in the playoff run, I mean, Derek White,
1: Grant Williams, and Peyton Pritchard were, like, really, really good off the bench until game two of the finals. All three of them just fell apart yeah, they just all fell at a once.
2: Cliff.
1: All three. Gave nothing, which was insane. But, yeah, Robert Williams, he's a late first-round pick because of the injuries and all that. He He's always falling down, getting hurt. Uh, but when when uh, he's in there, he's dunking, he's passing, he's blocking shots, he's doing it all. Kevon Looney was, you know, like a freshman face-up four who's now like this bulky, grinded-out center. The the, the Mavs are using Maxi Maxi Kleber, who was undrafted. He's a stretch four. They got playing the five. They traded for Christian Wood, who was undrafted. You know. DeAndre Ayton was the first overall pick, right? So th- there's really not a ton of these guys who are middle, you know, middle tier centers that are starting on, on uh, good, good teams, right? Like you're, yeah.
0: I would definitely feel better about investing it into Mark Williams
1: than DeAndre
2: dern under. I
0: mean, Williams is more upside,
2: is better. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a tough fit, but after like that seventeen, it falls off for for me at least.
1: And like, it gets really fit specific. Yeah, like I think Daylon Terry is a great fit with Denver at twenty one. I think Jaden Hardy
2: is a great
0: fit. Jay Wu Jay Wu has Pat Baldwin Jr. at twenty eight to the Warriors. That's so dangerous.
2: Yeah. Again. Swing. It works out. That's yeah. like an incredible swing. Absolutely. I think Caleb Houston would be a good swing too. I hate Caleb Houston. I mean, he's got good size and
1: the, the shots will 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 fall, and he's going to be a you know fifth starter
0: someday. What the? Uh, how about the second rounders? Who do we like? Who do we do this like? Well, just
1: two. I'll say. Th- three guys who I think will be first-rounders, who I think most people will probably think of as second-rounders. I think Jake LaRavia with his shooting versatility. I think Andrew Nemhard. I think he's kind of hiding in plain sight there at Gonzaga. And then Christian Brown. He's got better size than you'd think, better all-around player than you would think. I think he'll be a great glue guy in the NBA. So, do you want to throw out some of your second-round guys?
0: I really like Bryce McGowan's during the season, I was kind of hit and miss with him, but like I think when you take a step back and you like really think about the context, of what Bryce McGowan's did this past season, averaging 16 points a game, doing it like not inefficiently. You know, he was 40% for the field. That's not horrendous. Uh, with incredible length, at six foot seven, with a long wingspan, a wiry frame that he's gonna be able to put weight onto. He's gonna shoot it. I mean, he's a good shooter. Like you see the you see the mechanics.
2: Um like like this dude was going for twenty-five in the Big Ten. Twenty-six against Ohio State, twenty-five
0: against Penn State, twenty-five against Maryland, twenty-four against Michigan, twenty-nine against Rutgers, twenty-three against Wisconsin. That was all in the final month of the year. Like, this dude can flat out score at a high level. He got to
2: the free-throw line at a high level, and he was saddled next to Alonzo Verge. Like, like, dealing with that all year, I mean, sign me up for, for Bryce McGallans, Okay, I would draft this
0: guy at 35 and let him work out and let him... I mean, shit, if I was, you know, the Warriors at 28, I would draft him let him play in the G League, get stronger, and develop into, I think, what could be a really good score, second unit score in the NBA. Uh, I like Coloco. Uh, I like David Roddy. Um, we talked about Roddy at length of this podcast. And then like some
2: of the deep sleepers. Like I, I like Tyrese Martin. And I like Lucas Williamson. I think Lucas Williamson at six
0: foot th- six foot four, six foot five, with you know really good shooting ability, really, really good defensive ability um like he's a guy who could who could do some of the similar things to what I would assume who did in the NBA. I mean I, th- this year, I think he'll be a better shooter than i o not quite as good of a Yon Hill guy, but I think a guy who could who could just kind of shock people because he comes in, he's good at everything, he comes in, he competes, defends and carves out a role pretty quickly uh and never looks back Bryson Williams the same way Bryson Williams love Bryson Williams
1: so you know who loves big multi-positional guards who can handle, who can handle the ball and is picking at thirty-four of the Oklahoma City or Mr. McGowan's. That's 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 where I have McGowan's going in my mock.
0: Good
1: 34. idea. Um Yeah, there there are so many like super deep cuts you could take in the second round. Um, the the one who I'm in on despite his lack of shooting is Peyton Watson. I think someone. Nah, get out of here. I mean, he's just so infectious, so much athleticism, energy is flying around. Unfortunately, I, I, he is bad at basketball. I think he'll make a very good glue guy. Um, but I wouldn't take it for I, uh, upon making a mock draft and stuff, I wouldn't take him in the first round. But I, I would certainly take a flyer in the second round. You know, we mentioned Pat Baldwin, um, Josh Minot, Max Christie giabate caleb houston you know a lot of guys who are out there for deep swings um in terms of the big multi-positional ball handling guard right there's like jalen williams who's now in the first round um but i think a lot of these guys are going to go in the second round i think you you mentioned mcgallens i think trevor keels alanda's williams Daring Sebrin, I think a lot of those guys could be I like Sebrin. nice nice value if you like that style of player in the second round. Um, oh, I, I think Kennedy Chandler could, could could fall in the second round. I know um, Memphis is looking, according to Wu's intel, right? was looking for a backup point guard. So they, they're picking at 29, so maybe he falls there. Um, I could see him slipping. And then a couple of my... Oh, I shouldn't take credit for this first sleeper. It's Ryan Rollins, who the draft people have been all, all, all over for a couple couple months.
0: You watch, a lot, of, you watch a lot of on this year, bro?
1: And I have never seen Ryan Rollins play, but I've seen many a draft guy savor over him. I saw people saying that they would give him a first-round grade. Um, and I think he'll probably end up somewhere in the late 30s to mid-40s. Um, and then some of my deep sleepers... I mean, we've talked about
2: Chimpani a couple times. Isaiah Mobley. I think he's can play the four and the five. He moves
1: really well. He he, he can defend. I think he'll be a nice value piece at They'll the probably end.
0: Probably get a 2 a for the uh, Cavs. The Cavs, you think?
1: Um,
2: I I think J.D. Davis is going to go un, un, undrafted. And um let's see. I think Keon Ellis could be a nice
1: second round pick too.
0: Yep, I'm in on Keon. He played very poorly at the combine, but I'm still a believer and a fan. And I'm very out still on John Butler. Oh I'm I'm that
1: I'm, that is I'm, not a swing.
0: That I'll is, buy all the stock. I'll buy the John Butler stock. That's a swing. How is that not a swing? Because what is the upside?
1: He's just a, a, a huge dude that can shoot but can't do anything else?
2: At least at least with, like, a Josh Minot, right? That's, like, multi-positional. He's super athletic. I'm out on Josh Minot and in on John Butler. All right, Josh Minot, Josh Minot's head wiggles a lot when he shoots the ball. It's very funny.
0: Me and the... Me, me and Jeremy were watching at the Combine, and I think Jeremy said to me at one point, he said, they need to give him, like, a dog cone, like, make him shoot with the dog cone on so he doesn't move
2: his head. Because if he does, if he actually fixes that, he might be a better shooter. I mean, both certainly. <laughs> How about Kendall Brown falling as much as the has? Do you buy that? Do you think he'll be, like, a useful-ish player? I mean, what's the difference between Kendall Brown and Peyton Watson? Productivity. College basketball? Well, soccer I think mean, Brown, Brown had Kendall's no a Kendall's a good cutter,
0: King. plays hard, can play this mobile five.
1: I mean, Watson plays super hard. He's flying around everywhere. Then why
0: was he on the floor?
1: Because they had Jaime Jaquez, Johnny Juzang, Jules Bernard. They you couldn't, you couldn't have found him a minute.
0: They found Jalen Clark minutes. Is it all concerning you if they kept finding Jalen Clark minutes and didn't find Peyton Watson any? Jalen Clark's good. I agree that Jalen Clark's good. But would you want to draft Jalen Clark
2: right now? No. Then why well, My funny thing?
1: Okay, Kendall Brown lost minutes to Adam Flagler.
0: Adam Flagler's good. Adam Flagler's an all Would you draft player. Adam Flagler right now?
2: I actually would consider it. I would give Adam Flagler a two way. In a heartbeat. I I Adam think Flagler's a monster.
1: I think people, uh, I think people undervalue the level of basketball needed to get a two-way. Would you rather have Adam Flagler, Flagler on a two-way good. or
0: Colin Gillespie? Adam Flagler. No. Yes. All right, last one for you, and then we'll get back to college basketball here to wrap the show. Uh, Max Christie. Yes. No. Maybe so.
2: Second round, sure. I think I think I think I'm drinking a little bit of Max Christie Cooper. In. This was maybe the most egregious of all the legit prospects
1: stay stay and go decisions because like he could have like easily moved into like a lock first round with like a a good year next year not even like an incredible first an incredible sophomore year but if he was just like a good best player on a good team what do you think? With his pedigree and his, his good size, and if he shot he better.
2: Tra- I think he would have had a transfer to do that.
1: You don't think he could have
2: been the best player on Michigan State next year? I don't think he was going to go back to Michigan State. Given that, I don't think he particularly liked playing for Thomas. He should have gone to Louisville. Anyway
0: could go to Louisville. I mean, is that wait, our segue? Wait, the wait, door's wait. open. That was a oh. hell of a segue. Break.
1: What is Louisville waiting on?
0: <laughs> they just keep passing.
1: It's funny. I mean, they're not even
0: in the mix. I mean, it's the, the Whenever thing, right? somebody like, opens the up, up now, kinda, I'm like,
1: whatever. I'm like, oh, this is Louisville. And then I see like in the comments, oh, it's a rumored Keontae Kennedy's going to go to Memphis. Yeah.
2: Casey. You know, how about Casey Simmons? Let's talk about Casey Simmons. Just so I can get it off my chest. So. Second
0: highest rated recruit in program history. Top one like fringe top one hundred kid, super athletic, six foot seven, not a not a shooter yet, but like a legitimately good defender right away in college basketball last year. Started some games early in the season when Chase Leviz was hurt and then moved into a bench roll. Goes in the portal on you know June 18th. Say what you want, sit out, whatever. There's like no spinning list in a positive light for Northwestern, for Chris Collins, right? You've now lost Tate Simmons, Bright Young player, uh, Pete Nance, Ryan Young, all this offseason. You've only added Titus Verhoeven, Luke Hunger, and uh, Nick Martinelli. Uh, not exactly a murder of talent. Uh, you also lost Rowan Brumbaugh. You know, again, the, the long-term vision for Northwestern, when you think back to, like, November of last year, right, was like, okay, well, maybe you're going to lose Maybe, maybe you're going to lose Pete Nance after the year. That's fine. But you know, the following year, you're going to have Boo and Audige and, and, and those guys. You still have Ryan Young. He's going to have one more
2: year. Uh, and, and you're going to run it with those guys. And then, like, you're going to have this young core with Brumbaugh and Casey Simmons and Drew Roper and, like, those dudes. And, like, Luke Hunger, sure. Like, that was the sell. Now it's like, okay, no Brumbaugh. No, uh, yeah, no, no, Grumbach, no Casey Simmons.
0: Roper's fine. Like I like Roper, good player, but I don't think Roper's gonna be like all, all Big Ten. Uh, you've got like nothing signed. You know, in terms of like longer term talent, you've done nothing in the portal for longer term guys. The only thing you have is Verhoeven, who's a one year deal. Like this is a wreck. And 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 this this exactly right here this season. Is why you had to get rid of Chris Collins this year, and it's why every coach in this, you know, this. Please do not take this as just me taking an excuse to like bash away at Chris Collins because I don't like Chris Collins and think he should be fired, right? Like we've talked about this like method, this 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 line of thinking in college basketball for like the just give them one more year once you're pretty sure they're not the guy is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Because right now in our like they're, they're they're like sailing in the abyss. They can't. You're, you're, you're not going to recruit well in 23 because you know Collins is, is hot seated, and that was made clear by the AD that you're on the hot seat. You're running it back with you know Boo and Audige as your backcourt. You haven't done anything to add to this group. If anything, you're just going to let Drew Roper stack numbers so he can transfer after the year. Casey's gone. There's no upside. Like look, look, look. I, I would love someone to try to convince me. Why Northwestern will be like competitive next year? Like, what what
2: what is the path Northwestern making the MIT next year? There's no path.
1: Will no, we the, magically
2: become a good basketball player?
1: Yeah, the, the the path is like incredible un unforeseen jumps, right? Like jumps that you couldn't
2: reasonably predict with any logic. Right. Yeah. It's like like, well, maybe everybody just gets a lot better. Like, all right,
1: sure. Which does happen sometimes. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, like, look, Boo Booey becoming, like, like, Boo Booey turning the corner wouldn't, like, shock me. Like, Boo boo has gotten better every year. Uh, he hasn't done quite enough to, like, actually be, like, a like, impact winner. But, like, he's gotten better. Adige should be better than he was last year because he was a wreck last year and he was better the year before. If you get, like, that version of them – but that's also like, okay, now you need Verhoeven to play well, you need Barron to step up, you need a jump from Roper, you need a jump from Tiberia,
2: like, you need to jump from every single person, just to be like 65th in Palm. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what is the goal? Like, what, what is this year you're going to accomplish from Northwestern Basketball? Nothing. Nothing will be accomplished.
0: They're going to lose 20 freaking games. It's going to become a worse. Uh, the the roster is going to get put in worse
2: shape, so you're going to get worse candidates.
0: Right, it's
1: it, it's tough because like you have to fire the person before they truly deserve to be fired. And now Collins easily, you could argue, without much effort that he deserved to be fired. Like Wayne Tinkle last year, right? he's coming off the Elite Eight, but they were so bad, and there's there's nothing going on this roster. This this team makes Northwestern look like uh, the Boston Celtics.
2: Like Tinkle should have been axed the end of the year. I agree with that. And, and it's, it's tough because
1: like, like we were talking an hour ago how incredible it was that you just brought Oregon State to the, the Elite Eight. But if you're not going to make the decision about what's the best for the future of the program, then you're not really taking it as seriously and, as you need to.
0: And again, look, like, Chris Collins did like, like, like what he accomplished in our first is like a big deal. And I'm not like I I I'm like fully eyes wide open to the fact that like like the guy in Northwestern Higher next may not make an end to tournament. That's like okay with me.
2: Like in some ways I'm okay with that. Like obviously that's not what you hope, but like at some point once you know he's not the guy, you gotta go. And if this year with
0: junior Boo Booey, junior Chase Odij, senior Pete Nance, redshirt junior Ryan Young, junior Rami Barron, produced seven Big Ten wins, and you walked around press conferences acting like it was some achievement? Like it was some great work of coaching that you improved again. You jumped from six wins to seven when you got older, and you were like, the only team in the league that ran it back. You got one more win. And want to know how you got that one more win because you played. Minnesota twice, Nebraska twice, Penn State twice, and Maryland twice. You played the bottom five teams, including yourself, as many times as you could possibly play them. And then you won a Big Ten tournament game for the first time in five years.
2: Why not you did that? Because you drew Nebraska in the first round.
1: The team was so disappointing that it cost John Rothstein like
0: $10,000. Oh my god. Oh my god. But anyway, Casey Simmons like yeah, maybe Louisville. I don't know. I mean, he can't shoot. That's the, again the problem. Like Casey Simmons, like I don't want Casey Simmons playing more than like 20 minutes a game next year on any like relevant high major team. But I think he's like a good, like he's he's a, he's a worthwhile swing.
2: Like if you can swing right now and take Casey Simmons, you got a spot, I'd be making the call. Yes, and now that, you know, the the dust is settled, right? We're waiting on Amani Bates, but other than
1: that, I mean, you're really stretching for for impact guys still out there. We're going over to Lebanon now for the next guy. Um, yes. Michigan Xavier DePaul and Wake Forest are battling. Did we hit
0: on Joey Baker going to Michigan?
1: Yeah, this this was a tough call. Um, I I think it's ultimately the right move. He he could be recruited over or or. or or beat out in the rotation by some of these talented young guys. But they needed veterans, they needed shooting, they needed a wing. And he is those three things. I think it's pretty safe that he doesn't get buried this year. But
0: yeah, I feel serious. good that between like Jed Howard's Bench you know, having to sit out time, Terrence Williams, like even if he doesn't start,
2: but like between Williams, Howard, and Buffkin, there's twenty five minutes for Jerry Baker. Yeah. For Michigan, from a macro perspective, I mean, Hunter Dickinson is one of the best players in the
1: country. I think if this was 2014, we'd all be in on Terrence Williams being their starting power forward. But in the transfer era, in the constant upgrade era, it feels a little underwhelming, but I think that'll be okay.
0: Um, Baker on the wing, I think is shaky. Right, but, but of course, if Terrence Williams had at the portal and like went to Georgetown, you would have been like, wow. Nice yeah. job playing the power forward spot with Terrence Williams.
1: That's why I'm saying, yeah, it's I'm I'm perfectly fine. I, I think this is a good power forward. You know, I will Terrence say Williams this: how, how many
0: points do you think Terrence Williams averaged last year? Three. See, I was thinking four, and he averaged four
1: point seven. He had, he had to play the three though. He, he 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 should be playing the four. Um, that's true. And then it's totally new backcourt. I think this should be a tournament team. I think the upside is going to be determined on if if Jet Howard is really this, you know, basically NBA one-and-done prospect that I think a lot of people are
2: sort of seeing. Yeah, as. I,
0: I think, I think like, before they got Joey Baker, I was like, okay, they need both Kobe
2: Bufkin and Jet Howard to be, like, legitimately good players right away. Now it's like, okay, they need one of Kobe Bufkin and Jet Howard to be, like, good enough. Yeah, Buff
1: going to be the sixth man. Um, and then also off the bench, you will have Terrace Reed, who's a top 75 recruit. Doug McDaniel, who's a top 75, top 100 recruit. I mean, if if this was 2014, we'd say that this is a great bench. It's but when you look at benches like UNC's on paper last year or um, – who. Who are some of the other teams that were like they have too much talent? Texas was one, right? Yes. I mean they don't they don't or, or Memphis last year. I mean this this Michigan bench doesn't hold a candle to to
2: to those benches, but those benches also fall apart every year too. So. Indeed. Um. What other like roster moving things? Emmanuel Acott to Memphis. Lily but surely here, plugging away, filling holes. Sounds like they're going to get Keontae Kennedy, as you said. So then you bring Alex Lomax as the sixth man? Did you have Alex Lomax
0: starting before?
1: Right now, yeah. I got Davis Lomax in the backcourt. Well, I, have,
0: I have Lomax off the bench, Mr. McCadden up in the.
1: Dude, listen, the story with Alex Lomax the past four years.
0: Yes, but Alex Lomax – like, Kendrick Davis is a small point guard, and Alex Lomax is a small point guard, and there's only ball for one of
1: them. Let's see. The past four years it's been, Alex Lomax is terrible. He can't play. That's why Memphis sucks. And then it's like, oh, Memphis is better. Oh, Alex Lomax is actually playing really well. And then it's the offseason. Alex Lomax cannot be our starting point guard coming into the next year. Same thing. He plays bad. He plays good. Rinse and repeat. And now they've, they've sure. actually upgraded with someone who will be the starting point guard in Davis. But Lomax, he defends. He can get to the rim. I think he's going to be in for a huge role.
0: I mean, he'll play plenty. I just have him coming off the bench. But if they get Keontae Kennedy, you can plug him in at that two-guard spot. And then you do something like Kendrick Davis, Keontae Kennedy, Emmanuel Aycott, DeAndre Williams, and Malcolm Dandridge with Ko Akabundu. Uh, Hyogu uh, off the bench, Wilmax off the bench, uh, McCadden off the bench. That's a good team.
1: They've it, lost like, some brothers.
0: Sense. Yeah, other than Lawson. It's at least like a roster that makes sense on paper. Again, that's a good thing. That could be a top 25 team easily. Yeah, but like... Uh, I mean, Penny hasn't really had a top 25 team yet, so like... they They were a top 25 team this year. Not for half
1: the year. I mean, same with Arkansas was in the top twenty five for half the
2: year. Arkansas got a four seed and went to the Elite Eight. I Moves mean, got an an eight seed and went to the second round.
1: But their metrics were off the charts. They were just playing in the conference
2: with no opportunity. They also played off the charts for like a month. Arkansas played off the charts for like two months. I think, I think with Keontae Kennedy,
1: who we haven't seen since he was kind of struggling as a freshman, and at, 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 you're you're, at,
2: you're not at locking SAC. into
0: UTEP games. Fortunately, not this UTEP team that came in like eighth in the conference USA, producing potentially three high major stars. Actually, four. No, no,
1: no, three. Titus Verhoeven,
0: Keontae Titus Verhoeven. Kennedy we could start at Northwestern. Keontae could start, and. Uh,
2: Sule Boom, Sule Boom for Xavier, that's right? And, and, and Jamal Beany's been getting NBA workouts. A couple of years back, you, you go back to like the the first year of the Rodney Terry era, when Bryson FA Odigie
0: was there. FA is now at SMU. Lots of uh.
2: Bryson Williams, right? Yeah, and uh. Quasi Izagu became a high major. By guy. Yeah. There was a lot of
0: a lot of high major at this UTEP program over the years, and they still haven't won shit.
2: Good recruiting. i right, boy, uh, Brian Burton, and others. Um, One did him, we ever touch on David Jenkins to Purdue? No.
0: Maybe they starting point guard, I guess. I mean, I guess he's their 2 guard with Ethan Morton. however you we
2: want to define it?
1: Semantics, but they're going to need him to create some offense. When they can't dump it down at the big guy. I mean, they have. Like, I mean, Brandon Newman was not in the rotation for most of the season. I think he got back in there at the end. But, like, he's in line for like 30 minutes a game. Agreed. The front court is really strong. I mean, they're going to have Caleb First and Trey Kaufman coming off the bench, both top 50 recruits. First had a good freshman year. They have one of the best centers in the country, one of the best players in the country with Edie. He's unstoppable at seven nine or
2: whatever he is. And then Gillis is a great glue guy. It's a uh, backcourt though. It's it's tough. A lot needs to break right. I think Northwestern has a better backcourt, a better one through three. I mean, I think David Jenkins is probably better than these guys. Than the Northwestern guys. You're a buying a David Jenkins bounce back.
1: The average like bad that, a game that,
2: this year. Have you seen how bad the Chase Audis is?
1: I I've seen the uh, Chase Audis experience. The, Chase Chase Audis shot 22 percent for the field in the final 10 games of the year. I was watching. I think it was Northwestern and Georgia Tech, maybe, or maybe Northwestern and Maryland. Maryland. I don't remember. Yeah, they didn't play Georgia Tech this year. I don't remember what announcer it was. Oh no, sorry, it, 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 it was either Wake Forest or um, Wake
0: Forest ACC Big Yeah Big Ten.
1: It was either that or one of the Maryland games. And the announcer just had such disdain for Chase <laughs> Uh like,
0: What are hum- you doing? Hummel did this all the time.
1: I, I, did I think it may time. have been Robbie Hummel.
0: Hummel did yeah. it in the State game that they played and They had no business losing. Like every single time Chase Audia would shoot the ball, he would like brick it like ridiculous. He would do something dumb things in that game. And every time, Hummel. I just don't know what Chase Audizas is thinking
1: right now. Yeah, it was definitely Robbie Hummel.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, Hummel does every game, so I mean, it's 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 a reasonable bet. Uh, in terms of rosters for next year, did you see, uh, Providence got Garway Garway
0: Duel? Duel, yeah. Top. I know nothing 25. about this kid. Which, uh, does he play on a, what circuit does he play on?
1: No, he's just not on the circuit. He's on the team with Xavier
0: Booker. Is that team in New York to LA? Like, what, like, what tournaments do they play? Um, if they play New York to LA, I might see him in July because there's the same weekend that Under Armour's in Chicago. Uh, there is New York to LA and Milwaukee. New York to LA has a lot of, like, non circuited best teams. He, so, he plays
1: on, on, on George Hill's team. It's
0: like George Hill, something. So if that, if that team plays in the, um, New York to LA thing, then I will go to uh, Milwaukee that weekend for a day or two and watch Xavier Booker and Garway Dual and uh, some of the other good non circuit teams uh, in addition to watching Under Armour guys. So.
1: Uh, I mean, Providence just started recruiting him like a month ago and he saw Curse Dunn and David Duke and himself decided <laughs> to make the move. He, he, he has a lot of like Darien Siebrin vibes. A little Kadari Richmond too, but he's like very slender and he just like explodes to the rim. I guess he's like
0: a really good defender. I worry Tom. about some of the guys that like sock rise this quickly, because there's two ways it can go, right? It can be like flash in the pan, like no one has seen this guy play. He has like a couple good weeks, and then all of a sudden people are like, oh my gosh, he's the best thing ever, and they haven't really excuse me, actually watched him play. But then there's the other like Direction where it just keeps going, and all of a sudden, like Providence signed a five-star in June. You know, I mean, he, he's just so athletic. That's the thing, right? But he's he actually good. He, you know, like he averaged seven yeah. points a game in high school.
1: Yeah, he didn't start on his high school team. Comes on his
0: AAU team with Xavier Booker, and they're both shot to the moon. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, the, 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 it could go two ways, right? Like I don't think he's going to stay where he is ranked right now. Like he's either, he's either like everyone's going to fall. He's going to wind up top 50, or he's going to or even potentially higher, or he's gonna like drop and the like actually he's like a you know top 200 recruit. Like I watched like a couple of videos and I was like okay this guy looks kind of like Jaden Pierre. No he's the exact opposite Jaden Pierre. Athletically they seem look very similar. Pierre's like a shooter and he's no. like six two. Jaden Pierre's not a shooter. Yes yes. I watched Jaden Pierre play like so multiple far. times in person. He's like an athletic like go get it Isaiah Miller type guard. And. Duel is not. A,
1: Duel is like Kaziary Richmond, Darian Sebrin, like even like early David Duke, right? Like a lot of size, like, like the glue
0: guy point guard.
1: Yeah, who can Defensive, like attack,
0: get downhill, sure.
1: Yeah,
2: makes sense. Um, one piece um, of news we should hit on on this podcast is that Bob McKillop retired. At out of nowhere too.
0: These retirements, man, they're coming out. They're, 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 like, same with Randy Ray. Like, what are we doing with
2: mean, this? Like, was, was very
0: old. Number one. Okay. Um, well, I, I'm I'm just curious, like what it, like what's the impetus to retire,
2: like on June 17th or whatever the day was that he retired. Is end it of like, the school year, maybe. Right? Was it like see the school
0: year out? Was it like that was what the. Was it like basically he like went through the off for stabilities purposes, and once they felt like the roster was set, then they like talked to the AD about, um, you know, could they get the contract done for his son to make sure he's the head coach and whatnot? I know those things can take time. You know, again, it's just a, is it like oh he like spent the off dealing with like kids asking about NIL? I don't think that's. No, I don't. it at Davidson, I don't think so. Well, I mean, maybe maybe not, but like maybe like they start like trying to recruit kids and they're like I don't know NIL. They would just start calling more, like, Icelandic fellas, you know? Just bring in, like, another John Axel Goodmanson. They could have, they could have stolen uh, Svein Bergeson out of uh, Sienna's pocket. I mean...
1: Great career. Promoting in-house and as your son
0: feels really shaky to me. I mean, I guess the only thing I would say is, like, there was obviously some, like, secret sauce that made this thing successful and hiring outside of that, like, family... I actually, like, I'm in agreement that, like, that's not, like, that's that's the right, you, you have to fire higher within the family, because, or not necessarily the family, like, physical, like, bloodline family, but, like, the Davidson coaching tree family, I don't know who else is in that, like, in terms of guys who've moved on, um, but I, I think, like, there, it is obvious that you don't, like, you don't run your program at Davidson, like, you can't, like, they don't have grad programs, so they can't take grad kids, they can't really take, like, COVID year and all that shit, like, they have all those things to worry about. They have to recruit, like, a higher academic, international. Like, it's it's, it's a unique job. And so someone who understands the way you built it in the past, I think, makes a lot of sense. And I think having the McKillop name behind it, I think, will help in recruiting as well. Now, at the end of the day, will it work? I don't know. But, like, I think it's better than just being, like, all right, well, let's, let, like, let's scour the, you know, the verse for, like, a high major assistant who wants this job. Like, you can't just hire Kim English at Davidson. You know what I mean? Like, you
2: can't hire – that type of guy. It's not like a fit. You and your fits, man. This is how these.
1: This is how this works. This is how That's how, is it, it's how it works, firm. but it's not how it should work.
0: This whole fit stuff is is like nonsense half the time. So like, so who are you? Who who would you like them to hire? Like they could hire Tommy Amaker. Well, they can't hire anybody now. It's June. Right. But okay, if, but okay. if, Imagine if, like a normal search, right? Who are you yep. calling a Davidson that actually like makes sense? Who would take the job?
1: I mean, we're so out of season. I gotta pull up like the standings. Okay, here, we'll do. I uh, I was on the T-Rank transfer portal anyway. We'll sort by mid-major. Do
0: you like Appalachian?
1: If you just do, like, like Dustin Kerns. Yeah, Dustin Kearns. that's a good one. Um, I do Scroll. How about um? Oh. Probably Grant McCaslin wouldn't take that. Grant
0: McCaslin will not take that job. Wouldn't even sniff it. Um. How about uh, Nico Medved? No. No chance. Tara
2: sees like a miles better job than Davidson. How about Jeff Linder? No. No. How about? I don't think you're going from a from a multi bid league to Davidson. How about Darren Devries?
0: Eh, probably not. Probably wouldn't take
2: the job. I'm just scrolling in order of T, t- rank mid major here. St. Um, t- t- Peters ended up 104th in T rank. I know. Still scrolling here. Uh, hmm. Casey Alexander. No. I I I mean he you're hasn't the, You're the most anti Casey Casey Alexander
0: has has to be like the like he has like the quietest elite resume in college basketball.
1: From what he did at Lipscomb, but what he did at Belmont isn't anything out of the ordinary.
2: It's what Belmont was doing all the time. I mean, yes, but he's won eighty percent of his games in Belmont. Yeah, maybe there's There's not a lot of good candidates. He's won six straight. This is what I'm saying, right? Like, he's won. So, Casey Alexander's won
0: six, had 20 wins in six consecutive seasons. He's won the league tournament or regular season in four of those six. uh, Played the postseason in all of them. Uh, He's an elite coach. Like, what he accomplished at Lipscomb could have gotten him a better job than Belmont, if not for the fact that Belmont, Belmont.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of these mid-major candidates have already been picked through. Right.
0: I think I think I think the best potential candidate you could have possibly dreamed up outside of like the outside of the Davidson family would be like James Jones, Tommy no Amaker, one, yeah. James Jones, Tommy Amaker, Casey Alexander. That like actually make us makes sense at Davidson. But I think again, no great career, no occurrence. So I would I would list Kearns, but I'm a Kearns guy. So. I mean, he he's done well at a
1: well Presbyterian biased. and Appalachian. Yeah, he's one away from
0: getting the wizard label.
1: They have um, Zacho Littleton committed, who is a former Me- former Memphis commit. He's like top 200 free at uh,
2: Appalachian. Yeah. I know. It's very exciting. Shout out to the boys down in uh, Boone. Yeah. Anything else to to hit on in this podcast?
1: We got the draft on on Thursday. Thursday, so next podcast we'll be talking about the draft and the two ways and the exhibit tens and all all stuff like do, that. We
0: could do bets here at some point. Go back over them.
1: Well, all right. So next week we got that. The week after maybe we could do bets because I think summer league starts on the seventh. I saw. Yeah,
0: yes, sir. Seventh through 17.
1: We got to go over the bets. Um,
0: so
2: then, we yeah, what are we going to do after that? Mm-hmm. From Take a night. Go hang out. Yeah. Get a beer. But. What
1: are All you right, watching folks, on uh, TV? Did you, you make a decision
0: watch? after Bonnie Heist? Uh, I'm, re- I'm doing a uh, redo of Squid Game because I realized it had been a while. And since I watched the first time and I was well, I was during college basketball season, so like I was checking scores while I watched. It's not efficient. So went doing redoing Squid Game and uh redoing Entourage at the same time because friend of the pod, uh Jeff Borzello, uh or at least friend of Kevin. I don't know if he's a friend of the pod. Brad do you have beef with Borzello? Uh
1: no. He didn't say anything mean about about Providence but that I can
0: recall. No, he doesn't. He doesn't, doesn't tweet about Providence. He just tweets about Chelsea. Um, but Bar- Borzello had, uh, had made like an Entourage reference in, in, a, in one of our group chats, and that was enough to like, all right, I need to rewatch. So took on a uh, season one of Entourage. So one of my favorite all-time shows. People who love Entourage can feel free to tweet me takes or favorite scenes. Uh, we were we we're sending them around. It's always, always good stuff. So. And then I'll watch the new. Uh, the new money heist Korea in a couple days. Few, few days, that'll be good.
2: Hopefully, that's finished Squid Game and uh,
0: go right into
2: it. I'm working on Black sales. Are you realized. are you
0: are you a big rewatch guy or no?
1: Not not right now. I'm full steam ahead of new content. Eventually, like maybe like five years or something, I'll go back and I'll rewatch like The Americans. I'll I'll, I'll rewatch Dark. I just finished Severance over the weekend, which is incredible. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big rewatch guy.
0: I always feel like I pick up a lot.
2: You do. It's just the opportunity cost of not... The opportunity cost of anything. Yeah. Oh, well, without
0: further ado, we'll wrap up this podcast. Enjoy the NBA draft. Hopefully your team gets a good player. Or, if you're a Simply College basketball fan, hopefully you're a, your school's prospect... Lands in a good destination.
2: Does something good for recruiting. Yeah. So we'll see you all next week.